Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Investing Talk. This is Aurelien. I'm here with Glenn, glennsutherland.com and Darcy, darcywhite.ca. Today, we will be discussing the other side of uh, mindset. Um, we'll be talking about the limiting, potentially negative beliefs we've inherited from childhood. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to start with one. I'm going to start with one. And you guys will just maybe go around because I wrote a few of them down. Okay, yeah. Alternate. I... I I, I hate uh, I hate the word can't even when my kids say it today. I, I hate can't, um, and it you know I grew up with that. We can't afford that, can't do that, um, and a lot of it is you know such cliche. But you know turning the question around, what that that's one of the I think that's the biggest one is that we we can't afford it, and you're like why can't you afford it? Because a lot of it is just priorities. Like I could be driving a Lamborghini if I wanted to, but I don't want to. I'd rather have real estate, more properties than something like that. It's all priorities, right? Um, I have, and I'm also not a. I don't need to puff my chest up like that. But you know, it, it, I think with all of this stuff, like a lot of people, we just put a pool in this last summer, and you get you can say, um, and all of it came down to because you're like it's kind of ridiculous to spend that much money on a pool, but it's you know. Was it a priority for my family? My kids, we went to Florida the summer before and we were there for you know a week and my kids spent like 12 hours a day in the pool. I'm like, they're gonna use this, it's gonna be worth it. Um, and so it is a priority. And now how how can I do this? How what what would make sense? What do I need to do to do this? And you're like, maybe one of those properties that isn't performing that well, I could just sell it and it has all that much money. Boom, proper pool done, right? It that's it. It's just that. You know what? It's down to priorities, and I don't like can't in my house. I, it's almost a swear word. Probably worse than a lot of the swear words. I don't like my kids saying it at all. Um, yep. I don't like yep. them saying, "Ah, oh, I can't find this. I can't." I'm like, "Okay, what did you do? What did you look? Let's break this process down. How did you know? What did you? What was the process you went through? What could we do to improve this process to do whatever that you're thinking that you can't do? Because honestly, yeah. you can do anything." <clears throat> <laughs> we have that we have the same rule in our household you're not allowed to say that we're not allowed to say i can't afford that what we choose to say is we choose to spend our money differently so laura wanted dunkaroos uh, this is a cute story with a friend of ours when she was little we didn't buy those we did on occasion you'd get that you know on occasion but it would be a treat it's not a regular thing in our house um it, you know we didn't have that kind of money 10 years ago or 15 years ago we had a you know, pretty tight. So she was over at a friend's house, our good friend, Julianne, who's an author and very funny woman. Um, she's over there and uh, Julianne pulls out a box of Dunkaroos. These are these little chocolate kid cookies. Oh, yeah. They're like animal crackers, right? And she pulls this out and says, Laura, would, would you guys like some Dunkaroos? And Laura goes, so smart. And she goes, oh, we choose not to spend our money on that. And Julianne was so offended because it, so she said, Oh, so you don't want any? And then Laura realized, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose out. She goes, No, 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 no. I really do. I really want some. So, but she just parroted what we, what she did in her house because she probably asked for them in a grocery store. You soak it and up. Karen said, Yeah. And Karen said, we, we choose not to spend our money that way. But that was one of her things. We also don't say we can't afford it. I mean, there's things that we clearly can't afford. We're not buying a jet. No, um, but for the normal run-of-the-mill sort of things, it's about for generally about choices. And I'm not being flippant when I say that. Um, 
we could probably buy newer cars, but we drive older ones because it makes better sense and it fits who we are. So it's choices. Um, uh, one of the negative uh, things you hear flipping these things around. I grew up in a household uh, where my mother was very, very insecure about money. She came from an exceedingly poor family that was broken twice by medical things and um, by uh, a criminal act. So their household, she grew up very, very poor. Um, and she had, she's still with us, my mom. She still has uh, powerful limiting beliefs around money and a whole lot of money insecurity. So I got my first jobs when I was 10, a double paper route, and I was making $110 a month in 1974 as a 12 year old and a 10 and 12 year old. So um, I've been working since then. And one of my limiting beliefs was my parents are never gonna be able to take care of me. So I better find a way to take care of myself. I will buy my own clothes, my own batteries for my radios, because uh, I was into radios. I'm gonna buy my own stuff and I'm gonna take, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of myself. I don't need anyone else. I'm gonna take care of this shit myself. Mm -hmm. um, that, that is the limiting belief because when you grow up completely independent and you think you don't need anyone, you're wrong. You actually do need an awful lot of help. And what looks like luck or generosity or grace or God shows up in the form of other people. And you can limit the goodness in your life by thinking you don't need anybody else. So I, you know, because of my mom's dysfunction around money and fears, I got multiple jobs and I took care of myself with multiple jobs. And even now I had three companies at one time. I've always had two jobs. I've always had a backup. And that's a limiting belief because it limits the amount of time you have for creativity, for engaging with, with others. You're always way too busy. And there's no room for creativity. There's no room for grace. There's no room for other people's generosity. I'm not talking about what I do, what you can receive from others. That's a massive limiting belief in the universe and the goodness of other people. Uh, that's still hard for me to get over. I would say I still suffer from that. It's a, it's a still a difficulty. Ari, what about you? It's, um, I think it's a very good question and it's very important because, you know, we don't know better when we grow up. So we, we, we get raised in this culture and these, we hear those stories and those, uh, those sentences and we are exposed to these ways of thinking and uh, uh, discover later on that we don't we don't like them or don't identify with them or are exposed to other ways of thinking that help us question these initial ways of thinking and i know for myself um, one limiting belief so in general and it's not from my childhood i had a limiting belief about the number of uh, properties you could own so that that was one that I, I, uh, I pushed through. Uh, and then money was something in a limited amount, something you needed to budget, and you would fight over the budget at home, uh, and it would be stressful. Money was very stressful, and I think I still have some uh, scars around that. And um, the scarcity mindset around money, uh, not an abundance mindset. So I have some affirmations that help me uh, with that in the morning, I've been um, consistent uh, with listening to them. Um, also, thoughts around money as being bad versus money as being a neutral tool, you know, that can actually be used for good. And that's that's something I, I witnessed uh, working in Toronto for a foundation and they had money and used the money to do good in the, in the community. 
And also beyond money, beyond this, I grew up in a culture of blame. You would blame others for what was happening to you. Uh-huh. And basically, you would give the power away by doing that. And and I, as I, as I, that's something I like about entrepreneurship and the idea of taking ownership of what happens, good or bad, and being holding each other, holding uh, oneself and others accountable. Uh, you 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 have a part to play. You can be a, a co-designer of your life. Uh, and uh, I was exposed to that in philosophy first, you know, where uh, there is no meaning to life. You know, you have to create it. So there is that. And then there is a, you have power in what happens to you. You're the one who can decide on the, the meaning you want to give to it. So there is a, um, a way to uh, even... Uh, have agency around your your past and i grew up in a culture where blame was was uh, was was happening a lot and uh, and uh, yeah i, I uh, mentally i grew out of it and i'm i'm glad i'm uh, and i surround myself with people who don't who don't blame there is no no blame going on and uh, no excuses yeah oh, that's good no, that's good those are good ones i kind of grew up with um the i don't know the right term for it, but don't don't show off don't don't show off your mm. your assets. Don't show off, you know that sort of stuff, which is kind of like um, not the same, but similar to like the book, the the millionaire next door. I don't know if you guys have read that. Yep. But yep. it's just like you know a plumber can you know realistically make uh, you know have a much more money than a banker that makes the same amount of money just because they don't have to keep up the lifestyle. Um, and um, we don't know what's going to happen in the market. We never know what's going to happen with all this crazy stuff we've built. And uh, if your uh, expenses are at a reasonable level and you're not, you know, buying, you know, Lambos that you have like, you know, $10,000 a month payments that you have to keep up, um, it's going to be a lot easier. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if I want to go into these stories. I might actually cut this. But, I don't know. No. How, how, how do you deal with that? Like when you have a little bit of a success, as you have, how? Because yeah. I find you and your wife and your family very modest, considering yeah. the amount of success that you've had. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the pool. Okay. Yeah. That's an extravagance, but it's not ridiculous, and no. it is. It's notable in that it is one of the only extravagance that you allow. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, a lot of things. Like um, m- my wife's just in the other room. Like we just have one car because we are one SUV because we're home all the time. And even speaking, like we just brought cars a couple times. But like I went and met up with a bunch of big syndicators in downtown Toronto, um, maybe six months ago. And when we, you know, we all showed up at different times. But when we went out to the parking lot to leave, like they were all driving like high end vehicles like high-end vehicles in in the parking lot the parking lot was full of these really fancy cars they also think they bring their fanciest cars to these kind of meetings right um but i was i was sitting there and but what what, when i sat in my car afterwards i thought about it and i'm not some people might be able to read let's do the lines know who i'm talking about but they had jobs as well they had a nine to five as well as being a syndicator I was the only one sitting there that didn't have a job that all I did was real estate. 
And you're like, and you're like, who is actually the wealthy person here? And who is the one that's in a, you know, has a lot of expenses? <laughs> I think they know. <laughs> I think they know. And they look at you and go, how the heck is that happening? Yeah. Hey, there's a bonus one, folks. What's a limiting belief? A J-O-B. That's a yeah. limiting belief. Yeah. And Millionaire Next Door, I mentioned that book, is an amazing book. Yeah. The first version, I think, is better. His update did, wasn't worth updating. No, I, re I agree. Yeah. I think it's way better. It flows better. Um, here's one. This will throw. This might make you guys really surprised, but I grew up in a religious convention, uh, evangelical Christian background. Um, and if there's a continuum of thought on this, but this was very and has been very important and formative for my life. So, in the positive stuff, the examples of Jesus Christ of looking after the poor and the widows and the orphan are at the heart of what I do as a landlord. And I say that without apology, and I can prove it. I'm not, you know, making up stuff here. But with that comes a whole lot of other stuff that is more problematic. So in some versions, in some traditions of Christianity, they believe that the Jesus of the Bible will return in bodily form out of the heavens. And that Christians would not get too attached to the earth or the things on the earth or the cares of the earth, but live in anticipation of this imminent return of the Jesus of the Bible. I grew up with that. What does that look like? Well, it does mean that maybe sometimes you look up in the sky, but that's not how it plays out. What it looks like is that you don't plan for the future because your future is immaterial. Your future, well, we're gonna leave this earth anyhow. They believed in bodily, transition up into the sky to leave this earth into a spiritual realm not to leave in a box dead as a disembodied spirit but physically leave and join the jesus of the bible in the sky somewhere which that meant that why would you invest in rsps you're never going to use them why would you pay off the mortgage on your house that you're going to leave for someone else to move into because you're going to be caught up into the sky and be gone at some point. So my father never had RRSPs or savings until late into his 50s when he thought, wait a sec, what if this doesn't happen during my lifetime? Because it's been 2000 years since Jesus Christ walked the earth. What if this doesn't happen in my lifetime? I'm going to quit working in 10 years and we don't have any savings. So I was not taught to save. I was taught to spend now. I was taught to you know, use materials and resources now without a thought for the future. So if we think of, you know, that most of the Western world is based on Judeo-Christian values taken, extracted from biblical stories, the challenges that we have with non-renewable resources are a direct result of the philosophies that we have regarding the earth or our place on it. Um, they grew out of these ideas, and I grew up in the dead center of these ideas where you didn't save for the future. There was compound interest, savings, RRSPs, TFSAs, um, farming. My, my, my family lived like ranchers. We killed our, and slaughtered every fall and ate it and started over again in the spring, even though my dad was raised a farmer. Um, so that's a, a limiting belief. And it was one that I had to fight free of, that this earth may support generations of my children. And 
and my influence may extend long before long past what I'm doing right now. And there's reasons to take care and be thoughtful about your legacy and how you use and move on this earth and what resources you consume and even how long you think you might live on this earth. Uh, you know, my, my dad turned around some of his plans in his latter years and left my mom well provisioned because, you know, there's a lot of ways you could recover in Canada. But it wasn't until in his 50s he ever thought of saving that he would outlive these events of, you know, I know this kind of crazy, sounds kind of crazy, but there's a chunk of people that actually believe it. And I grew up in the middle of that, that you're never going to see old age. You'd leave this earth, which is... That, that's, that's you. I didn't grow up with that, but I... <laughs> I can see your face is like, what? <laughs> uh, I'm like, yeah. but I'm, you know, the way I looked at it is like, you know, you're going to live to old age and you're going to have to figure out how to stop, well, like doing labor. <laughs> you know, if you up yeah. at some point, you're going to have like 65, 55, whatever your number is, you got to figure something out, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we didn't think we would. And it's a limiting belief because you don't plan for the future. So you change cars, you take on mortgages, you don't pay down your principal on your house, you have no savings. You spend every month, at the end of the month, the account's empty. Because why would you leave it for someone someone else? You're gonna be gone. That's interesting, I, but uh, you know what? At the same time, I, uh, I don't even remember, what, I walked into my wife watching a movie and it was something about like, you know, they had six months and then the world's gonna end, right? And they all knew mm -hmm. it, everybody knew it. And then they're like going to grocery stores and stuff and there's people there, I'm like, who the heck's working at the grocery store? Like. <laughs> who's yeah, why would they stay doing that? <laughs> like, who's doing this? <laughs> I'm like, that's a good question. Yeah, but, you know, I'm like, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, and if, that like, is if a... you truly believe that six months, then what? What? Like, what? Uh, you know what? If you had six months, that's another podcast. If you had six months to live. What'd you actually do with your time? Oh my gosh. Oh. Anyway. Yeah. All right. What's another? Or do you have another limiting belief that you've? Uh, uh, overcome or um one that's been uh, negative yeah uh, one of them i had was like you know i talked about it in the last episode but like you know saving up for everything which you know it does slow you down um mm -hmm. you want to buy a car you want to buy a house you, you know get all this you know without leverage move a lot slower um by owning properties 100 percent cash for instance you your actual return on that money if you say you had a hundred thousand dollar house um make easy numbers uh, instead of like you know five with twenty thousand hundred thousand dollar houses with twenty thousand dollars you'll earn way more with the five houses um so it, it is a it does slow you down to not use leverage there's a lot of power in leverage um, and there is, I get it that you want to stay away from credit card debt and stuff that you're just going to turn into, um, honestly, this one thing I grew up with is if you, you basically, um, are creating a new master for yourself, if you have a lot of debt. So somebody, if you owe someone money, they basically own part of you. Um, you have to pay that back. You have to work for them. Um, which is, you know, that's. I don't know if it's a, a limiting belief, but it is it is an idea that you know sticks in my head that I don't want to be owned by other people. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Art RC, you're on mute, man. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's because I'm fiddling around with things and making noise here. Um, the, I do th think that you're one that you slided over that there's limited amount of 
of uh, resources and money in the universe mm -hmm. is is a huge one, and it might strike a chord with many of our listeners. There isn't. You know what the limitation is? Creativity and the willingness to do something with it. Um, okay. Money is waiting for an opportunity. Um, I so many people approach me. They're waiting for an opportunity. My limitation is actually on me having to do everything. I have to touch things. That's a second. That's a huge limiting belief for me that I have to fix everything, have a hand on everything, have control of everything to make sure it goes right for success. That has limited us. I could have been much looser hand and still made, still been fine and, you know, serviced a whole lot of people in a much larger way. But I do feel I have to control things and that limits. That's a limiting belief. It's huge. And one thing I was exposed to at one point was the idea that, yeah, well, you know, there's a certain amount of money that you can have. And so for you to get wealthy, you have to take it from somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, and instead of, you know, because, you know, there's only so much. So someone has to be a winner. Someone has to be a loser. If you're trading baseball cards, you know, mm -hmm. someone, you know, that's how you're moving up, but someone's going down. Right. Yeah. Um, you don't want it's not a zero sum game. It really isn't. You can create value. You can buy yeah. something. You can make it worth something. You can create value and you're not taking from anyone else. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I think we, a lot of thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in. As always, serve. if you have any questions you want to answer pertaining to real estate investing or otherwise, Feel free to email us advancedreitalk at gmail.com, advancedreitalk at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.